We all seen it. Perhaps we even been it. The screaming child, frazzled mom, frustrated dad. Let's just face it. Traveling is a mission in itself. Traveling with kids is like mission impossible. My love for travel is so deep. So deep that it carried over to when I became a mom. People told me I wasn't going to be able to travel like I used to, but I refused to let anything get in the way of showing off my beautiful baby girl. So with the 15 years of experience that I have in the travel and tourism industry, and along with my background and degree in marketing and tech, I decided to create a solution of my own. And together with my team, we built TravelSyst. So hi, I'm Veronica Woodruff, the CEO and founder of TravelSyst an online platform that offers baby gear rentals along with concierge services to families who travel. Travelsys is that solution. Hey everyone, I'm Veronica Woodruff. I'm the CEO and founder of Travelsys and we are solving human capital headaches for airports all over the world. You look at that, nice and nice and sweet. I love, a, I like a pitch that's crisp, nice and sweet, gets to the point which is amazing. All right. So, um, hi, Veronica, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I enjoy speaking with you. So thank you so much. Um, you know, it's funny cause like, um, I never look to see who I'm talking to until the day of, I mean, day of, and I don't do any homework, any research whatsoever. Cause one I'm busy. Um, and it's not that I'm lazy. It's just like I'm busy, but also, I could do all the research in the world, but no one has the most up-to-date content than you. So I always say, I'm going to talk to you anyway. It's going to be great. So I don't have to do any research on you. But one of the things that I don't see or what any, most people don't see are who you are before your business. And so I want to know who is Veronica? Where, where are you? Where are you from? I go basically from little Veronica all the way to, let's just say college. So <laughs> paint your story. And this is your moment. Because we will talk about the business, but we want to know who you are first. Yeah, well, thanks. You know, not everyone gets the wonderful opportunity to be able to tell someone their story, you know, or actually tell them their story the way the way they accept it. So I grew up in Southern California. Um, I am biracial. My um, family, you know, I have a huge Puerto Rican background. My mom is Puerto Rican. So we, I, I like to say we grew up with, predominantly Puerto Rican culture. Um, and I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my grandfather was an entrepreneur. Um, I have uh, uncles and aunts and cousins and everyone. Um, you know, the, my grandfather, he came from Puerto Rico and he went to New York and he owned many shops, restaurants, you name it. He did everything. He was a fisherman. He did everything that you can think of. Um, and my grandmother, she... <laughs> she embedded in us, you know, just this loving culture. So um, we come from, I come from a family uh, where, you know, when you sit at the table, everyone is always eating. My grandmother fed, has fed, you know, thousands of people um, in her lifetime. And she, she doesn't have this abundance of wealth, but what she does is she's able to provide. And, um, and so I, I just, I just really appreciate, you know, that that's where I come from. Um, and so I like to say, like, I always have this, um, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I remember my grandmother, she would make Puerto Rican pastries. So um, pasteles and, you know, little empanadas. And um, I would go door to door and I would sell it for her. And she would always break me my cut. So, <laughs> so even from a very young age, I think I was around eight, you know, I started to see like, okay, this is how you make money, you know? And um and I wasn't afraid of people told me no, you know, whenever there was a fundraiser, I would always, you know, volunteer and I would always, you know, participate, you know, competitively and be aggressive and, you know, go to every local store owner and ask them to, hey, do you want some candy bars or chocolate, whatever it is, you name it. And, um, and I would consistently win, you know, all of these different, um, you know, all of these different, um, uh, uh, you know, whatever it was, you know, that we were fundraising for. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, and then I started to realize like, hey, you know, um, a lot of a group of friends, we were uncomfortable with our food options, you know, at our school. And so 
we had, my dad had a Costco mem membership and I would go to Costco and I would buy things like soda pops and candy and chocolate and everything. And I would take these things and put it in my backpack and I will sell, I would sell it every single time. And my dad, he would tell me, you have to pay for gas because I'm taking you here. Not that he needed it, but he would charge me these things. And I remember being so upset, like, you're my dad. Like, why are you charging me this? But he made me pay for gas. He made me buy him something to eat each and every time I needed him to take me to, uh, you know, to the store. And, um, and I just remember him just always telling me, you know, you have to save. And I would save, you know, um, and then, you know, it was just, you know, these things became, you know, habits, you know, um, and uh, yeah. And then from there, I went. Wait, wait, I'm going to pause you for a little bit because this is one of the things where the international we'll call it <laughs> entrepreneur is real. It's just so real because you're talking and my grandmother was like your grandmother where my grandmother would literally in Haiti, she would, um, so first generation born from Haiti. Our, my grandmother would literally like make little like um, lollipops. She'd make pate, which is like a pastry for us. She would do all these things and same thing. She would hire all these young kids and all these young kids would sell, 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 sell at carnivals and things like that. She came to America, same exact thing. She would go to the farmer's market. She'd go to the fish market. She'd go to the butcher and she'd sit there and like get things in big bulk, cut them up and then sell the small chunks. I'm like, and she would say, and she, when people were like, I go, well, no, I know how much it costs in the store. She's like, I go, he's like, she's like, but I went, you didn't. So you're getting, you're paying for me, for me, the fact that I, I went and you're paying for me the fact, for the fact that I cut the right piece of meat for you or the right piece of fish for you. And when we were younger, my, um, we, I don't know if, this, if you ever had this situation, we found out our friends made money off of allowance. Like you got allowance for cleaning your room. So I went to my parents, like, do you know? People get money for cleaning their room. They're like, well, do you know we left Katie and we had maids and we left and now you guys are our maids? We're like, oh, oh, okay. And we would do the same thing where we made, uh, my mom's a chef. And so we would make uh, all these little candy bars and stuff like that and sell them. And so is, do you think it is more so the um, entrepreneur because in the, in the States, there are tons and tons and tons of entrepreneurs, but you go overseas, it is a constant hustle in every single country that's out there. Everyone has a side something. Yes, I work, but I have a side something. Is it in your DNA because of what you watch or who your family is? I think it's it's in my DNA because I just make it happen. You know, like it, it is probably because of who my, you know, it's, it's both, right? Because if, if I, if my family didn't do it, I wouldn't be able to see it. You know, that's how I saw it. And, um, I definitely think it's, it's definitely mindset, right? Because not everyone has, there's people in my family who, even though they were exposed to the same type of, you know, being raised that way, they're not entrepreneurs, right? They're programmed to where they always have to have someone, uh, tell them what to do. And they have someone else who is in charge of creating opportunity for them. As an entrepreneur, you create opportunity for yourself and mm -hmm. others. Right. And like I said, you know, we, you know, I come from a table where everyone eats. So if I'm going after any type of opportunity, I'm making sure that the majority, like my team first, everyone around me can benefit from it, you know, and I'm always looking, keeping my eyes, ears, you know, everything open. So that way, you know, the people around me, my network, they can benefit from it. Um, so, yeah, I think that programming definitely comes from DNA, you know, like your family and you know, whether or not you're one out of the 30 people in your family that has that DNA, you know, or that type of thinking. Just listening, just listening to you and you're hearing this and someone else is listening to you right now and thinking, I want to do it. But the biggest barrier is fear. What yeah. would you say to someone? Because right now we are, I mean, we're, I mean, we haven't, we're, we haven't even touched base on the pandemic yet, but be, even before the pandemic, there are a lot of people that are dying to do something for themselves. They have the idea, they have the concept. And then someone either plants the seed of, well, you're so smart. Why would you do that? Like you have a regular job, there's security, or I'm like, I'm afraid to fail. So what would you say to anybody that is thinking about, wants to, has a desire to, wants to leave that job, but they're just like, I'm like, I'm handicapped by fear. It's not for you. It is not for you. I, I promise you, it is not for you. And that's why there's that very few people who can who can take that leap 
you have to be able to take the risk because guess what? It's not going to just be that one, you know, that's not going to be the only thing, you know, the only leap that you're going to have to take. You're going to con consistently go through this up and down roller coaster of where you're going to have to make hard decisions and hard decisions that will impact your personal life, your family life. It impacts everything. And it's not just, you're constantly managing everything when you become an entrepreneur. You know, you're not just managing the business or you're not just taking this idea and all of a sudden it comes to life, yeah. right? You have to manage all of the components, right? Your team, your family, your personal, your professional life, everything falls upon you. So if you can't, if you're not ready to take that one little leap, then it's yeah. not for you. It's not for everyone. It's, it's, it's really not you really have to be a risk taker. And I don't think people identify the risk or when they sign up to start a business, they don't realize that it's going to be that risky, like as risky, but you might not, you, you might not bring home any money one month, you know, and your savings might, I remember someone just, I just attended a conference um, where they said, where someone who was speaking, he said, if you still have money in your bank account, then you're not using it properly. <laughs> like you need to exhaust all of your money. <laughs> you know, you need to always make sure that you're betting a hundred percent on what you're doing, you know, and, and you think about these big corporations, like you, you think about like these airliners, like Southwest and, and Delta, you know, all of these things that are creating the most revenue from them, right. They're, they, they operate off of debt. Right. So, and I, and I'm sure. Well, you know, well, well the, second, the second you say that, I mean, most people don't think that though, because people, I mean, it's that whole time, the American dream, having the house, having the car, like building wealth, building right. wealth, not losing wealth. Well, losing wealth is never part of the equation. And so when you're saying that, of course that makes sense. But the, what I just, what you just said that makes the most sense, betting on yourself. Right. right. People, people are afraid to bet on themselves. I mean, they know with all their hearts, they have, all the resources, they have the education, they have the know-how, and they're not willing to bet on themselves. Right, right. And that's the that's the key remedy to success, right? It, it doesn't matter if you have this great idea or if you have this business that's making money, you're mm -hmm. never going to accelerate or grow until you actually bet on yourself. And there's a lot of people, like a lot of small mom and pop stores, businesses that make money and they bring home enough money for their families, right? Mm -hmm. But they never scale or accelerate because they don't think that they can. They don't think mm -hmm. that they have a value. They don't think they can bring enough value for, you know, a majority of people or, you know, or companies. They don't, they don't, they don't believe in themselves that much. You know, the, the irony of that is that, um, and you said it, and my grandmother did it, where um, your grandmother didn't have much. My grandmother didn't have much, but she worked so hard and she was always like on Sundays, she would make a big old thing of soup. She'd make rice and beans. Everyone could pick up their Tupperware for the week. <laughs> Everyone, like every Sunday people knew mine was always in the freezer. She's like, don't touch Jody's. It's right there. But like literally there'd be, a, like, I mean, people knew what time they, they knew what time the soup was ready. They knew what time the rice was ready. They got the fish, chicken, whatever. And all the Tupperware is ready to go. She didn't have much, but she made it stretched. And so with small businesses, they don't have much, but what I, that's where I'm like, the disconnect comes from. Their tables were always full. They could always provide for the family, but they didn't equate that to making it stretch and making their businesses grow as much as been making their families grow. Right. But, and, and, it, and a lot of it, because, you know, a lot of it comes from like, you know, especially like being women, like we're wired and we're programmed to operate on systems, right? Mm -hmm. So your grandma was able to do that because she knew how to identify and create systems to make it easier to stretch out whatever food she had yep. to be able to feed every single one of you, you and your family, you know, but as well as friends, church as people. Friends. <laughs> the whole the whole village, right? Feeding the village because that's what that's what they do. You know, that's yeah. how that's what they do. But when you think about um, you know, other people who are, you know, you know, you we have these families, uh, with and I know you went to Ivy League school, but families who, you know, they have a lineage of, yeah. you know, of, of of people, of men, you know, who, you know, they graduated from Harvard and you know, his great grandfather graduated from Harvard and, yeah. you know, their great, great, great grandfather graduated from Harvard. You know, they're, 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 um, they're in environments where they're trained for success. You know, mm -hmm. they're trained to think big, they're trained, uh, to, to, to not, they don't have to worry about eating, you know, they don't have mm -hmm. to worry about survival because 
they're used to, these things are they're they're not there's no question mark there you know they're always going to have those 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 resources and those things although they're they're trained to succeed because it's the lineage we're trained to hustle and when i'm with my entrepreneurs and i watch my friends that went to harvard i go and yes i have a full disclosure i have a certificate from harvard university as well but i go but i have my counterparts they don't know how to hustle they have no idea and so when the pandemic happened, I saw so many of my friends were like, oh my God, I can't breathe. And I'm like, I go, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, like I go, just like keep yourself healthy and you're going to be good to go. And a lot of people that I know, high degrees, good job, they succumbed to what was happening. They had no idea how to hustle. They had no idea how to be creative or think out, think bigger. And, and so it was to their detriment where it didn't benefit them. Right. Right. And so that's why, and I, I feel like that is why it is, you know, that's how we create the most value. And I'm not, you know, you know, you know, entrepreneurs who come from this background, that's, you know, where you have this spirit, where you can be able to, you know, um, you're, you're able to hustle, you know, I hate saying hustle, because really, it's more than hustle strategy, right? But mm -hmm. when it to us that come from these backgrounds, they want to say it's hustle, right? Yeah. No, we're strategic, right? We yeah. know how to create these systems, put it in place and strategy. And we, and not only that, like we have great spirits because all of our ancestors, they died for yeah. us to be able to win, right? And yeah. so that's what you're seeing right now. These, these, like, you know, these, these change makers, right? Who aren't just like building successful businesses, but they're actually changing the world, right? Because mm -hmm. their ancestors they made sure that they do not forget where they come from, right? Mm -hmm. Worked very, very hard. So it's so important for us to make sure that the next generation does not have to work as hard, right? They don't have to feed 20 people because we're 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 making it, we're, you know, and I think of I think of Gooder, you know, um, Jasmine Crow with Gooder, you know, and her solving, you know, the hunger problems for feeding the homeless, you know, mm -hmm. just like these systems, because really. You know, they can say, you know, all these different things about like food scarcity. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but really the earth provides enough for us to eat. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just building the right systems to be able to feed everyone and, exactly. and, and, and putting those systems in place. Right. So what you have is you have, you know, mindset, but you have strategy. And then once people are introduced to technology or just, you know, different things, you know, it's a whole different beast. <laughs> No, it is. I mean, I mean, honestly, I go and, and that that we can have a whole different conversation about that. But we're gonna pause. We're gonna pause right here and go back to you. So, so now you're like, I go. Well, you're growing up in this, like, I mean, this entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, you're learning. You're seeing. You're learning different systems. I go. I could use system, but I go. I like hustle because Haitian hustle sounds better than Haitian systems. So, <laughs> so, so where? I mean, where? So where do you go from? learning, seeing, being absorbed in this culture. And then um, where's, where's school? What happens next? What jobs have you had before you start the business, before you even, even have the idea of the business? Yeah. So, I mean, before that, you know, I played sports and in college, you know, I started playing basketball from a young age. So I'm used to being on this team environment and mm -hmm. um, in this team environment and then also winning, right? So we won conference championships. We won, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, summer leagues, you know, we, I come from, you know, just a background where we were trained never to be satisfied and always to win. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, practice the same way you play, um, all those different ingredients. Um, and then on another side, like a spiritual side, I also grew up, uh, Jehovah witness, you know, I'm no longer a Jehovah witness, but I grew up that way. So a lot of that caught, you know, it pushed me to like, do a lot of impromptu speaking where mm -hmm. I was strangers and, you know, trying to get them to resonate with whatever my righteousness was at that time. <laughs> and, um, but what ended up happening is you end up making really good conversations and learning about other people's beliefs and learning how to still um, try to find a way to um, say whatever you wanted to say to them. Mm -hmm. um, I went to college in Monterey Bay. Um, it was a great opportunity for me to go to school there. Um, I met wonderful people and had a large, you know, community of supporters. Mm -hmm. um, 
after that, um, I worked in the travel and tourism industry and I was in a room, uh, you know, not only was I servicing travelers, but I was also in rooms with corporate leaders who made innovative solutions and decisions uh, that would progress their company um, using technology. And I was able to solve problems with them. Um, I participated in hackathons, think tanks, and, you know, just a variety of meetings where my problem solving was, you know, was needed. It was necessary. Uh, they wanted to hear my opinions. And, um, and it wasn't until then that, um, that um, I realized, you know, this is nice to be able to make money doing that, but I have bigger problems that need to be solved. Um, and one of one thing that was itching me <laughs> was, you know, every time I used to travel a lot before I had my family. Yeah. Um, and when I was pregnant, um, everyone would tell me, you're not going to be able to travel like that anymore. You know, you know, that's going to have to stop. And I was just like, why? And they were like, because it's so hard to travel with kids. You know, you need to, if you're going to do it, you need to do it now. And I was like, whatever, you know, it, drives course, me, it, it honestly drives me crazy whenever people say that, because I'm like, just because it's hard for you doesn't mean it's hard for me. <laughs> well, that's was my mindset, but of course, you know, and of course I did it anyway, but yeah. each and every time I did do it. It was, you know, you you can never, it was like rolling the dice. Like you cannot, you cannot, ex, you know, plan for what would happen, right? Because every single time there was no consistency in place, right? There wasn't any efficiency from the airliner or the airport that would guarantee me a smooth experience each and every time I traveled. So when you say, when you say that, I go, when you say smooth, what does smooth mean? Smooth means meaning that I would be able to get, receive any type of assistance, you know, when wherever I needed it from the minute I got to the airport to the minute I got to the next, my final destination. Okay. Um, you know, there was no one who I can call upon for help. You know, I would always have to depend on a stranger or, you know, if, if you get on an airplane, the flight attendant can help you, but they can only help you to the door. You know, they can't help you up the jetway. That's another personnel that needs to come and help you, you know, because people don't realize that the airport has so many systems, right? All no. of their operations are outsourced and they don't realize that there's all these, everyone has a role, right? They have an agenda. They're supposed, this person is supposed to help this person. This person's supposed to help. There's so many yeah. different channels, um, but there's no dedicated service that's to meet people who are not ADAs, you know, who don't need uh, wheelchair assistance or who do not well, that's, need. Well, well, I was gonna say, I'm happy that you just said that because you're talking and I'm like, I go, what are you talking about? Because I go, I'm, I, I'm visualizing two things. One, I took care of my grandmother until she was 95 years old and she passed away. And I go, I remember when I would like, I, if she was going to go to Florida, I would bring her to the front desk. I'd bring her right to the gate. I'd hand her off. My parents would be on the other end and there were assistants all the way. I never had to worry about from, cause I wasn't with her. So I never have to worry about X, Y, Z. Um, but I also know those moments where I have friends when it's a snowstorm in Boston and you're trying to get to X, Y, Z, you have kids and the airport is like closed down. All those little kiosks, they don't have baby formula. And right. so, so for me, that's where I'm like, the elderly are taken care of, the handicapped are taken care of, but yes, parents with children are not, or at least I've never seen. Yeah, but in, in even to to the point where yes, they're taken care of, but it's like, how are they taken care of at what capacity, right? Because we've always, we've all been there before where we're on the plane and um, you know, as you're exiting off the plane, you're always seeing the people who are disabled or elderly having to wait, right? Yes. And know that when you travel, time is of the essence, right? And the first thing that you do when you ask someone who is in need knows, you know that they need extra assistance. You know, when they're traveling, you say, how's your experience, right? And they're able to tell you whether or not they missed their flight because they were waiting on extra care or whether or not, you know, that, you know, that relationship, you know, how, how was it, you know, um, did they make an impressive, impressive impact, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, that would make that passenger like your grandmother say, oh, I, I love, uh, you know, this airport, you know, I can't wait to travel through that airport because they are the best in customer service, right? Yeah. They met me on time and it's, 
they almost rolled out the red carpet. You know, it's, it's being able to make that type of impression when people fly into your city, you know, that when people travel, that's going to make people want to continue to travel over and over again. When I flew with my daughter, I did not have that impression. When mm -hmm. I flew with my daughter, not only was it a struggle for me to lug and tug my baby gear with me and, you know, needing someone an extra set of hands to help and meet and assist me so that way I can carry my baby or even use the bathroom. I yeah. didn't have that, you know, because I didn't qualify as a person needing wheelchair assistance, mm -hmm. you know, or I didn't want to take away from someone helping someone who may have needed it more. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how we came up with Travel Assist. And when we went to market, you know, we, we um, founded the company and established it in 2018. When we first went to market, we were servicing people with uh, baby gear rentals off of Facebook marketplace. And it was really interesting because we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of people who um, paid for services, you know, um, and we launched our beta right at the pandemic. Um, and we, it was a very hard decision to make, but I cannot, and that was scary, right? You know, like, do we launch or do we wait, you know, and when you're an entrepreneur, you can't wait sometimes. Wait, wait, quick question. So you started in 2018, mm -hmm. um, you launched and partnered. So how did it work out? So did you partner with the airports? Did you partner with the parents? Like, how does it work overall? Like I'm a parent or I'm, a, I'm just like a person that needs you. Like, where, how do I find you? How does it work? What are the services? Yeah. So before, when we did our beta testing, we were, we were completely B2C. You would have to go to a Travis's web website to be able to uh, book services or rent product. Right. But okay. now we partner with airports and airliners. Right. So they offer it through their, their websites. Mm -hmm. um, and you're able to, you know, click on a button and it'll redirect you to our platform and we run the operations uh, behind it. Um, so we are servicing, uh, concierge to meet and assist customers, um, you know, when they travel. But um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's in between that. <laughs> so there's a lot of technology that's in between that. So um, it's a lot more. But um, on the user side, the end user is always the customer, right? They're always, you know, we're making, we're creating a better experience for the customers. Um, but also, we are helping the airports and airliners be compliant uh, to their certain needs that they have to address, you know? Um, and at the same time, we are approaching an innovative way of the way people have traveled, you know, um, you know, there's, there hasn't been any innovation in this space for over 50 years, and we're providing something completely different. Um, and that is by creating on-demand assistance, by you, re you having the ability to request where and when you need assistance. Where is the disconnect here? Because when I'm booking a flight, there's like the all, like I go, the little check marks. I go, do you need, what kind of food do you eat? I go, do you need the wheelchair? So they, I, there's all this stuff that they have you check, 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 check. Um, and in my mind, even though when things don't happen, the food's not right, the seat's not the right way. Like I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, I blame the airport, I mean the airline, the airline, not the airport system. So, but then you exist and now you're providing the service. Should it be the airline as well as the airports that use you so that way it's, it's, it's a nice flow or does the airline, the airport, I'm sorry, the air, does the airport want to be the ones that says, look, not only have we provided rocking chairs, but look, we have provided this service as well. And then the airports, the airlines are saying like, yeah, we are already doing our own thing. I feel there's a, a there's such disconnect in the flow that they're supposed to be. How do we fix that? And how is the future of the airline? Because right now, as you know, pandemic has been, I mean, it's been insane. I mean, I've traveled during the pandemic. Um, I travel all over the world. I mean, it doesn't bother me. Mask, no mask, whatever. It's, I, mean, I remember during SARS. So been here, done that. Um, <laughs> but right now it is getting to the point where it is absolutely insane in regards of TSA, and we'll call it the behavior of individuals, the frustrations. I mean, I've seen the whole entire calling security on fathers, like on parents, I shouldn't say fathers, on parents that are losing their shit because they have run out of formula, they've run out of diapers, they've run out of things, or grandparents that were just left. And mom and mom, like I dropped off my mother, flights are everywhere, where's my parents? Like, I mean, where in the world are mom and dad and grandma that are in a wheelchair and are they being fed? So there's so much noise out there with so much going on with the pandemics, with 
people just not doing their jobs. Oh, it's not my job. Where does the industry go from here? Because people are still want to travel. Airports are still being, are, are full. And yet everyone's like, it's not my job. It's not my job. <laughs> well, the reason why, you know, that's a really good point. And it's, a, and, and it's actually, you know, it's, it, it, it probably would be the best thing to talk about <laughs> right now because uh, the airports are overworked and understaffed, right? And it's not just at the airport, um, it's the airliners, it's all across the travel and tourism industry. And, and that is just the aftermath um, from the pandemic, you know? But what, what we see is that, you know, we learned a lot from the pandemic. We learned that, you know, infrastructure need, needed to change. Um, and now, because this is going to be, you know, their experts are saying that we are going to see the most people ever travel by air, air by year 2023, right? Why? Post COVID, because they saw that this summer, this past summer, um, you know, pe people were at home, right? And they, and there was just this surge of people who returned to travel, right? Um, and that the airports, the airliners, they weren't ready and they canceled flights, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in between that, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because, you know, they, it wasn't because they weren't prepared because they were always prepared, but it's because they, they lacked enough, you know, human capital. They lacked, they lacked enough support of people. You know, when there's chaos, you need people to direct and move people around. Mm -hmm. right? When you're looking for your grandmother or your grandparent, when you're worried about them, you know, because they have to wait you know, long lengths of time to be able to receive assistance, you know, that is because there isn't a personnel or a staff that can go and meet in a system, you know, mm -hmm. at a, in an organized manner of when they need to be uh, serviced or mm -hmm. served. Um, and so that's, you know, that's where we come in. So when you ask like, what is the problem? How do you change it? How do you fix it? It's a human capital problem, right? And it's, it's incorporating a system that can save people time, right? But also save airports money and mm -hmm. solve this problem in a way that still guarantees and, and, and executes on customer experience and customer service. Human capital. April, 4.4 million people walked away from high paying jobs. <laughs> Individuals that were working at Dunkin' Donuts um, got unemployment and finally went online, took online classes, are getting better jobs. Um, the human capital for all the billions, the billions of people, the 8.5 billion of, like, of attendees that we have on this planet, and they're trying to find better for themselves. So how do we fill this problem where people are paying, you thought it was like hard to find a house right now. It is hard to get someone to come through your doors right now. And people are paying top dollar, huge, like I mean, obscene signing bonuses just to get, to get them to fill these jobs, especially during the, because the holidays are coming up. So how do we fill the human capital how do we, like, so we're, we need to fill the, the, the channel of human capital. We have a lot of individuals that are like, I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to go back to the way it was. And all these companies are like, we're going to, where it's going to end up shutting down. Southwest Air, perfect example. What a cluster that was for quite some time where they were like, they're, they're, it's the blame game. We have people, we had different schedules. They just, tons of information kept on going on. But guess what? Those customers were still saying like, we are trapped in areas because we can't get back home. So how do we fill the human capital? How do we get people getting excited? Even like, I mean, I spoke to another gentleman on um, his name is Pierre Laguerre and he's in the trucking industry. And I'm like, oh, how do we then solve the, the, the supply chain? There are trucks that are just stacked up in California or in Seattle or in, in Massachusetts, but there's not enough truckers. So how do we solve this problem where people want to go but there are people that are like, I go, I want to go too, but I'm not going to be the one that's going to, I'm not going to be there. But then there's those other individuals that this, these jobs might be perfect for them. They're now upscaling where I'm no longer working at Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. I can get a job at the airport. I can get a good job. How do I find that job? How do I qualify for that job? I'm ready. Yeah. So, so the difference is you don't leave where you're loved, right? And we both come from, we, we both come from, you know, Caribbean descent, right? Afro-Caribbean descent. And um, um, we, we both come from probably families that, you know, that's their, that's the number one offering is love, right? And if you think about it, when people have really, really good jobs, they don't leave, 
they don't leave to a higher paying job because of the way they're treated, the way they're respected, you know? Um, and, you know, if you think about it, all of these airports, they're located in opportunity zones. So um, in most opportunity zones, the medium incomes are under 30, um, 30,000 a year, you know? So a lot of these people, they live in poverty, you know? So being able to give them a role where they can have an ego, right? Where they look nice, they can go to the airport, they can meet lots of people because that's the beauty of travel, right? We don't travel to not, it's, we don't travel just to explore. We travel because it's about who we're going to meet, right? Mm -hmm. And when you work at an airport, you're always meeting people. It's a wonderful opportunity. Trust me, I know I've done it for so many years, you know, and, um, and, and what, what the biggest impact, let me tell you, it's not how much money you make. It's the, the, who you meet and how those people influence your life. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's a, a 60 step, second conversation or everything. That's how travel assist employees, that's how our, our contractors, that's how our concierge, that's how they're trained. They're not just trained to offer a service, right? They're trained to create impact and also bring back people to our city, you know, and whatever city that they're from. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, like, how do you keep them? How do you, how do you, um, how do you, how do you keep them? How do keep, you them keep them and then keep them as well as how do you get them? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of things, right. You know, it's, it's, it's giving them flexible work options, right. It's giving them fair pay, right. It's offering more than just a job and treating your employees with a level of respect where they're going to want to return to you over and over again. Um, you know, I worked for Southwest Airlines for a long period of time in my life. Um, and it was under, when I did work for, for um, Southwest, it was under the uh, leadership of Herb, uh, Herb Keller, right? And, um, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest things, you know, their company culture was love, right? The whole one love thing, you know, and, and anyone that knew him knew that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem for him to get people to come to work, right? Because he made them feel rewarded. He made them feel, you know, he made sure they were the highest paid, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, um, and, and when he, when they did celebrate it, you know, he wasn't giving people, you know, just, you know, bar liquor. It was always top shelf. You know, he went above and beyond to make sure that his employees were treated like family, yeah. you know? Because if, 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 if they don't come to work, then his operations, you know, Southwest would not exist, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, it was great to be able to have the opportunity to be a part of that culture. And that is something that our leadership focuses on when we hire employees. Um, and that's what we take pride in. And, and I have just as, you know, sincere focus on hiring women and allowing them to be able to have safe um, gig gig opportunity uh, work options, you know, I, I want to create a space where they can um, have the advantage to make more money, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, you know, make more money in smaller amounts of time. And that's, that's kind of the way our operations work. So, um, but that's a whole different subject. That's a lot to talk about. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> well, no, but, but I love that. And I'm, I'm going to ask for the, um, when someone works, so, so I'm going to get you to say, I, I want to become a concierge. If I come to you, um, how many gigs would one have with you at a time? So what, what does my schedule look like? Or is it a fly by the seat of the moment where you get a phone call saying, is it, is it like a, I'm a human capital at the airport. Like I would be a, a Lyft car or an Uber car. Um, it's in similar ways, but not exactly the same. So you'll be able to have um, the ability, like there will be a, there, there is a minimum that you would have to, you know, you're, you're required to work, but okay. you would have the option to be able to trade and, um, and, um, and you can either work more or you can, you know, trade down and work less, but you will have the opportunity to be able to trade, um, with other, uh, team members and, um, and you can set your schedule. Um, so the air most, the majority of the airports, they operate, you know, they have to be in operation for, you know, mostly 24 hours or sometimes mm -hmm. 18, 16 to 18, depending on where you are. Yep. Um, but that, that allows a lot of flexibility with, um, you know, with people's work-life schedule, you know, if they have a full-time job, then they're mm -hmm. able to 
you know, this is a great part-time job. And, you know, uh, a lot of our shifts are four-hour shifts. So that's enough time to make a few extra dollars. But, you know, they're not just extra dollars. You know, it, it's enough to, to create some some impact, you know, in, um, in, in um, you know, the lives of some of these people who really need it. Do you have to have, um, all right, so is there an age limit? Because, I mean, I'm in Massachusetts, college town, perfect job for college students. But do you have to have security? Like, I mean, so clearance to go and are we on the, which side of the gate are we on? Because obviously after 9-11, you can't go to the, through the gates anymore. So what are the, I mean, what's the age limit? What are the credentials that you need? Um, and you just answered that, you just answered the, uh, the question in regards of how many hours per, but this is a college town. And so in Massachusetts, this is like a win-win because college students don't want to have that job where I have to like check in. I want that flexibility. And a lot of them now don't want to do a Lyft or Uber because obviously the safety, the safety elements that are no longer able. And some people just don't want people in their cars anyway. So with you, it sounds so desirable being in a college town. So what do you need to have to be part of um, your business? Um, so you definitely need to have, you know, we do do personality testing. We do do background checks and vetting checks. So, you know, you have to be able to um, pass, you know, airport screening. Um, we do do personality testing because, you know, it's not just, we're not just hiring just anyone, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, you will be able to provide the uh, consistency and uh, customer satisfaction that, you know, that uh, lies within our mission. Um, and so, um, that's pretty much it, you know, as long as you can pass the background check, as long as you're a professional and um, you're willing to be able to be reliable for your shifts, then um, like re reliability is, is, is key across the whole entire industry. Yeah. So especially when you're providing human capital needs to a, a large entity like an airport. So, um, you know, that's something that we provide, uh, that we pride, you know, in when we uh, hire our um, concierge is that, you know, one, you're reliable, one, you know, you're professional and two, like you have a good heart, you know, you're, you, you're able to be, you know, empathetic to people who are traveling and people who are traveling with needs. Um, and that's it. We have all the training and everything for them. And we, we, that's one of the, you know, a good benefit about TravelSys is we've been able to automate the training in a way that you can get it complete in a small, uh, small length of time. Or shorter length of time. How many cities are you in right now? And so, how many cities? How many cities are you in right now? And what is your plan in regards of like, obviously scaling to other locations? Yeah. So we have eight cities that we're targeting um, for next year. Mm -hmm. um, and, and right now we're still building. So we're building out uh, technology. Um, we are, you know, partnering with the with some of the busiest airports. So um, we're in a really, really good place um, to bringing change to travel and innovation, uh, again, uh, where it's necessary and at a very good time, which is now. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, March, 2020, the insanity, you start, like you're in the, tra you're in the travel industry, you're hearing the buzz, uh, you have a business. Um, Tell me about what was your feelings and your thoughts as you're hearing the buzz of what was what was happening. Did you believe it? Did you not believe it? What's happening? But then it, it just started to like escalate. And where are you now? Like 19 months later, where are you now in comparison in comparison to where you were then? Yeah, it was it was a lot, you know. Um, you know, it was a lot. I'm not gonna, you know, there's no way to to um to polish that up, you know, when I heard <laughs> that they were going to shut down um, the nation and they were going to shut down travel, you know, um, you know, people, it, it was interesting. Well, they didn't really shut down travel. They just encouraged people not to travel. And mm -hmm. when, you know, that encouragement made people not travel. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was literally a ghost town at airports, you know, and a lot of people, um, not even just in the travel and tourism industry, they, um, they lost their businesses, you know, they, um, you know, it, it just was, you know, it was, it was a, there was a big tidal wave <laughs> and, um, um, but you know, what I did do is I, you know, I did more research, right. And we started building again and we continued to build and we, we tried and we kept trying and we, whatever customers that we can serve, we service, right? Mm -hmm. And we use that 
for discovery and we learn more and you know whatever whoever we were having conversations with we continue those conversations um, and we were able to you know come out of that with really really strong relationships yeah. um you know we we got new team members to join our team you know and to help us build and um you know we 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 grew we grew up and we grew up the hard way and um sometimes <laughs> that's that that's the best way you know um but um yeah it was a little scary but uh we're we're here and um you we always knew that travel would would return we knew that it was always temporary right and so knowing that because people you 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 have to know like i mean even the planes like everything that's that's a huge part of the us economy or in yep. the world economy you know travel and tourism um, it, it, it's big, it's huge. People aren't going to just stop traveling. And as you can see, they went back <laughs> eventually. And, um, and everyone is itching to go back again, you know, even more people, they're planning their trips for, for next year. Um, but, um, but to answer your question, you know, um, it, there, there were some very hard times. The only thing that got us through it was definitely mindset, right? Staying optimistic and, you know, you know, and, and, you know, you have to surround yourself around positive people, positive influences that's going to keep you going. So I remember one day, you know, or I remember there was a time where I was walking out my door um, and I would just go for a walk and I was looking for anything to inspire me, anything to motivate me, whether it was a bird chirping or like a song playing on the radio in a car, you know, going to the park. Cause you know, that's like one of the places that we went to often was just somewhere out in nature. I was looking for, I was just looking, I was hungry for inspiration, right? Something, some type of sign to keep me going. And, you know, every time I looked, I found it. And it, it, it was always there, whether it was the moon, whether it's flowers, whether it was something, whether it was a letter in the mail, whether it's an email, whether it was, I always found inspiration. And, um, and it got me through, you know, these past 18, 19 months, you know, and here we are. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. How do you take care of you? Because you have to take care of you, your business, your family, your team. How were you able to, I mean, you're finding inspiration and I go, but you still had to juggle other people's emotions while still keeping your business afloat. So how were you able to do that? And what advice would you give to anyone that's listening to you right now in regards of how to, because like some people are just exhausted. I'm just tired. I'm tired of trying, I'm tired of taking care of everyone else but I know I'm the one that takes care of everybody else. So how do you manage the juggling of everyone's emotions on top of your own? Yeah, that's something I learned this past year because before I would like overcommit myself and I would try to multitask. I was a huge multitasker, not try. I was a huge multitasker. And I learned that that's not effective, right, at all. So I literally have to read books like Power of Focus because I realized in my life, it always was a challenge for me to focus on one thing because so many people wanted me to be present or be involved in so many other things. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I had to start saying no, right? I had to start saying no to those things. And no matter how big of the opportunity was, I had to say, no, I can't. Yeah. You know, I cannot commit right now. I'm over, I've already overcommitted myself from this period of time. You know, I would love to circle back and, you know, and visit this, but right now I can't. And that was hard for me. It was hard for me both professionally and per on a personal um, personal level because, yeah. you know, my family, I come from a huge family that constantly, they really enjoy my presence and I love them too. But, you know, I had to tell them like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I cannot worry about whether or not they're taking it personal, you know? Yeah. Um, and sooner, sooner or later, they started to get it. Like, she's really busy. She's really focused. Let's not ask, you know, like, and um, because be in the beginning, they made me feel bad, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but eventually now they get it, you know, so now they know not to ask me, not to bother me, not to call me from this amount of time, you know, because when people know that you're an entrepreneur, they think that you have full control over your time, but when you're building, they think that you're not working, you're not working, <laughs> or they think that you just, you, you can, you know, you're managing everything, you know, you can take this call, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. You know, we're really, 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 you know, and I, and I don't think, I don't think of this as just, you know, me building. I, I really feel like I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm destined to make this big change. 
And, um, and I, I really do think that what we're building with Travel Assist is a vehicle um, that is going to provide greater change um, in the future. Um, and, and it doesn't stop with just travel. It's, it's a lot more, it's a bigger picture than what you see. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, definitely, you know, carving out time for yourself, you know, and, and I know early on people would tell me that, you know, they would say that, but I really didn't know what they meant. You know, I thought that that meant, um, okay, going to the gym and working out or that meant, you know, just watching a movie, no, carving out time for yourself to like make things a priority, like getting your hair done or getting your nails done or like, um, you know, you know, going to get a massage, like booking you a massage, whatever yeah. you need to have that balance or whatever you need to do that makes you feel powerful, you have to do it, right? Because what you're gonna do by doing that is it not only creates balance, but mm -hmm. it allows you to, to, um, to, to, you know, to, to keep the momentum going, you know, like you can't. Well, you it's can't clarity. I, I, I mean, I, I am so sorry to interrupt you. It's clarity because when you're go, 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 you don't have time to see things clearly. So when you said you were taking, you go out and take walks and you're, you're putting out to the universe in regards of, I just need something to inspire me. And you always found something because now you have clarity. For me, I take Wednesdays off and everyone's like, what? I'm like, I go, I work literally all the time. Like we don't turn it off. Like even if we're with family and friends, it's always in our minds. We're in the shower, whatever we are. But Wednesdays are the days that I take off. I go to museums. I go to museums. I take a class and I'm learning something new. It turns off my work. I'm learning something new. I'm asking questions. And all that stuff comes into my company afterwards. So I always tell all my clients, I need you to take one full day off. They're like, absolutely not. I go, I can't work with you when you're not clear. I can't work with you when you don't allow yourself to be open. And guess what? Weekends are not our own. We are with family. We are with friends. We're at dance clubs. We're at everything else. Weekends are not our own. So if you're going to take one day that's solely for you, I am 100% on board with you. That massage, the nails, it is for you, 100% for you. Right. It, put, it puts you in a better mindset. Okay. Right. I know I've taken way too much time out of your out of your life. I've stolen so much time. I go and I've gone over, but I have two more questions to go. Um. There are so many people, as we mentioned earlier, that are looking to start something. Um, and the fear is definitely getting their way. What was your high and what was your low of starting your, like you decided, like you've gone through, I mean, I'm so sorry, what was your degree in school? Oh, I, so I have, uh, I went to school for human communications. Okay. Um, so what I studied was practical and prof professional ethics. Um, mm -hmm. And then I did start my MBA and I've taken a variety of courses, you know, um, you know, entrepreneurship courses, and um, just I have a, a, a variety of uh, certificates. So, um, yes, yeah, so I went to, a, we're doers. Yes, we, I went to a school where you were able to, you didn't just get one degree, like in one thing, you were able to have multi disciplinary. So, you yeah. know, human, communi human communications and um, innovation. Um, I went to school in Monterey and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So with all that you've experienced, your family, your parents, the entrepreneurship, uh, the travel industry, you've seen so much, you've done so much, you've traveled around the world. Um, when you started, when you decided this is like the, the itch, this is like the, the thing that I'm going to solve, what was the high and what was the low for you? Because I think that's one of the biggest things where the fear is one aspect of a business but now you've decided to jump ship. You're doing it. You're jumping to the pool head first, knowing there's no water. What were your highs? What were your lows? And how did you come back? Come back? How, how did you reward yourself? And how did you get yourself out of the low? I don't know. I don't know if it was a, I'm a risk taker. Like I've always been a risk taker. No, <laughs> I've always been a risk taker. Like ever since I was a little girl, I, you know, like I was, I'm, I'm naturally bold as a person, you know? So I, you know, like I would do, if I, if I saw something I went after, if someone told me no, then I would try harder or find a way to go around it. If I did something to piss someone off, then I would find a way to mend that relationship and, you know, will them back in. So that way, you know, one, I'm sorry to like, you know, it's, it's a good thing for you to still be a part of my life <laughs> um, and find some way for them to, to turn them into a sponsor. You know, that's, that's, that's just how, how I've been built, you know? So I was never afraid to build a travel assist, you know? Um, um, 
you know, the risk is betting on yourself, right? The risk comes with, you know, being able to convince a lot of people that what you're doing is necessary, right? Mm -hmm. That what you're solving is a big enough problem for them to, you know, to partner with, you know, Um, or, you know, convincing, um, you know, a customer that what you're doing, hey, what you're doing um, provides enough value for them that your solution provides more value than what they're currently doing um, and getting them to to buy. So um, I, I, I don't think that there was risk there. I think the risk was I mean, I don't know. I just don't think that people would would just do, you know, I think the difference between, um, yeah, I don't know. I think the difference between other people is like changing your mindset, right? I think that's 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 where the risk involves. I don't, but I don't what know was, how to answer that question. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, the question was like, but what were your highs and your lows of when you started? Like once you started your business, what were the highs of the, of owning your own business and what were the lows of owning your own business? The lows are definitely like the sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. You definitely have to sacrifice. Like you definitely have to sacrifice being uncomfortable and not having the things you want because you're fully invested into the business, right? Mm-hmm. The sacrifice is definitely like your life, your lifestyle changes, right? You know, you, there's not, you can't always buy a $6 latte all the time, you know? <laughs> It, until you get to a point where, you know, you're getting enough revenue coming in where, okay, now I need the $6 latte because it makes yeah. me feel powerful and it's definitely necessary. So I have to drink my $6 latte, <laughs> but, but it, it teaches you, you have to button up, you know, and there's the grind and the glory. And definitely when you first start off, it's definitely not the glory. It's definitely the, the grind and you grind the hardest and realest ways. When I started this company, I was going through a divorce and, mm-hmm. um, and that is one thing you do not want to go through at all in life, but going through that at the same time that you're building a company, you're starting a company it's just like a double wham, but that to me, that's been the story of my life. Like I've always have to work really hard to get what I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, everything that I was going through, it happened for a reason. Um, And some of the highs would be, you know, um, during the time that I was going through a divorce, I was surrounded by badass women who were powerful. And guess what? They went through it before. So they were, they not only were they leaders, you know, in Atlanta, you know, and they were successful and they were wealthy and, you know, and they, but they did it before, you know, they went through it. So I had a community of people saying, oh, don't worry about that. Like, you know, and so I'm looking at them like, how are you going to tell me you don't worry about that? They're like, uh, we hurry up and end that, you know, or just, you know, they were just, it was like relief. Like, okay, you've been through this. Yes. And, you know, I'm over here freaking out like, oh my goodness, not again. And they're telling me like, don't worry about that. And as soon as I just kept, um, um, as soon as I kept, um, um, as soon as I continued to, um, to, um, surround myself in an environment where, okay, you know, you're, you'll get through this, right. <laughs> you're going to make it, you know, <laughs> or you made it, you know, <laughs> and you then, made it. then oh. it was, it was, it was great. So, um, so definitely, you know, you know, between the highs and the lows, what I always had was community, right. I always had, a, I was surrounded around people who supported me, right? And they either embraced me or they were there to lift me up. And they were, and if they cannot provide the solution, they found a resource for me. And that is why, you know, it is so important to one, if you have an idea, you know, sometimes that idea means that you have to get yourself out the environment that you're in and you're used to and put yourself in the most uncomfortable environment that's going Mm -hmm. to help grow. And that might mean that you have to, you know, your friends, your community, your family, even your family, you know, they might've been good and supportive then, but when you're building something big, you need a whole different level of support. And those people aren't going to have those answers for you. You know, you need to find a new group of people that can help and support you in a way that is necessary for you to grow. And that took me a while but I found it and I found it under hard conditions, right? Yeah. The pandemic, the divorce, you know, 
coming, you know, <laughs> jumping in, leaping into this, this big, crazy idea, you know, <laughs> that, that, you know, that people said, okay, this is a really good solution, but how are you going to do it and who are you going to do it with, right? Not having a team, you know, I used yeah. to think that, oh, okay, I have the right solution, but where's my team? You know, you have to go and convince people to work for you and work for you on a budget. That is a lot of believing in yourself, right? And convincing. It's hard It's to get a good team and for them to convince. I mean, like, especially when individuals have their set job, but they're like, they're not happy. And for them to say like, I'm going to take a pay cut because I believe in you. Right. You have to constantly do that. And so like all those things are risk. And then not only are you doing that, but you have to convince them to keep working for you. Right. Like, I, I need you to believe you have to keep you have to keep it all alive, right? And it's all, it all is on you. Everything is riding on you, right? And so that's why it's necessary. Like you have to be mental and stable. Like you have to do the things that are going to help you be, you know, be strong, you know? So like if whatever makes you strong, whatever, you know, makes you powerful, you have to do that. Like you cannot sacrifice that time or, you know, missing out on those events, uh, because you're you're operating your business, you have to separate time for yourself, um, and that's important. And that's like even going to the doctors, you know, or mm-hmm. my teeth whitened, you know, like that. <laughs> no, like it's, it's time. So, <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Oh my god, you are the best. All right, so I am going to ask my last question. So my last question is a two-parter. It it's always the way that I end all interviews and all inter- interviews conversations. But this is not the last time we're going to talk because you are in I me. Mean, you have again. Um, you guys are right in the mix of things. Uh, I love it when you're watching my my fellow um, media folks. They always then go to the academics. I'm like, academics aren't doing it. They're not in it. You guys are in it, so we have to come to you guys because you know what's going on. So the last question I'm having that I I, I offer to you, um, two parter. If you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now. What would be your personal ask and what would be your professional ask? And they cannot be the same thing, please. Okay. So um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if I can ask anyone who's listening to this to do one thing, I would ask you to do something for yourself today. Veronica says, do something for yourself. And that's it. That's a, that's the personal. I love that one. Okay. So what's your professional? Professionally, we're looking for the right partners, right? To, you know, uh, continue to build and, um, and to help us, you know, uh, to help us, you know, have the ability to operate out of the 41,700 airports in the world. And so if you feel that you would uh, want to be a partner of ours, um, reach out. My email is veronica at travelsys.com and you can find me on LinkedIn, Veronica Woodruff. I want a little bit more detail. What, what, who are the perfect partners? So not just one, but who are the perfect partners? So that way, when someone hears partner, what are you looking for specifically? Um, we are looking for... Um, We're looking for, well, we, we're a part of Techstars, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we are having our demo day come up soon. It's um, actually de- December 15th. Okay. Um, I'm not sure when this uh, would air. Soon. Soon, okay. So yeah, so you know, uh, you can reach out and I can find a way to have you and I meet in person, but we're looking for uh, partners to um, that are, ready to roll their sleeves up and get their hands dirty and continue to build with us, right? So if you feel that you can be a valuable asset asset to either our operations or, you know, if you're, you feel that you can invest, then, you know, come meet with me and let's explore opportunities. Perfect. I love it because you know what? I always tell people, like, I go, be as clear as possible because when it's clear, then we know. Because, you know, like I go, someone says, like, oh, I'm looking for a job. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Versus I'm looking for a job at blah, blah, blah company. I'm like, I, go, I know five people. I'm going to make that introduction. So that's a, that's a good thing. And the best part is the tech star community is huge. Right. If they know that if you know that you're needing the help. Um, and just like with your grandmother, just like my grandmother, our parents, they, they weren't afraid to like my, like my dad said this all the time because you come to America, you knew what relative that was going to be there for you waiting for you at the airport. 
but they opened up the doors. They introduced you to all these different things. They had jobs ready for you to go. And then you built it from there. And my young, like my cousins, like my older cousins are the ones that my parents would be off and they would sit down and take care of us when we were in New York. And then when we came to Boston, we weren't allowed to go, we weren't allowed to leave the house, but it was great because now for my little cousins, I do the same exact thing. I go, the doors are always open because it's always, it's just the generational pass of passing of the torch. And so with companies and businesses, same thing where if someone needs something and I can, and I, all I have to know is what it is and I hear it. So this podcast is just that for you guys. It's not just me conversing with you now. I'm here with you, whether your company succeeds or fails, you're still the asset. You're still that expert that I will always reach out to you and whatever door can be open with this podcast. And this is why I started it. Let's get the, a lot more doors open for you guys because you guys are working so hard and you're working hard, hard, hard. Let's just say get a lot more people to be aware of you on a global level. And how many airports in this country? Um, in this country, well, all over the world is 41,700. So they're both private wow. and regional. Um, we're targeting eight of next year. Um, there's about 37 that we've approached already. So there's a variety of both uh, in international and regional, but um, we offer service to both um, because uh, we help we help them meet their um, their compliance needs. So yeah. um, I I love I mean I as a traveler I love it. I mean I I six out of the seven continents. Um, I work I go for work. I mean I'm like a like have car will travel whatever. I mean I'm a get me to areas where I can learn from other people. And so I love that you exist. And I, I mean, and you came up and I was like, I mean, you just popped out off of something that I was reading and I'm like, oh no, no, no. This is exactly what I want to promote. This is exactly who I want to promote. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you, Jody. It's nice to meet you. Nice and meeting you as well. I had a really good time. So thank you again for having me and see you next time. See you next time. And it's a great way to end a Friday. So I like, I usually don't say time stamps. I go the great way to end the week by meeting someone, someone new. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we will have to catch up again. So I know we're still recording, but. <laughs> well, no, you know what? I was going to say, okay, stay on. I go, so we're going to say bye. Say bye, but don't hang up. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>